Welcome to the Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit podcast, the show that helps you find freedom from anxiety, overthinking, worry, and stress. I'm Siobhan Friel, a fellow human being, transformational coach, and your new friend. Come and hang out with me as we explore a whole new understanding of the human experience so you can enjoy life with more peace and ease. Hello and welcome to Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit. I'm so glad you can join me today. We're going to be chatting about a topic that was touched upon in a recent episode that I said I was going to come back to. It was, let me think, Uh, the ordinary everyday circumstances that reveal our anxiety busting powers that we completely ignore episode. (laughs) In that one, I highlighted a point that's commonly touched upon by people that I work alongside and initially by me as well when I was first poking my nose into this paradigm about human experience. And that is, okay, I kind of get or I'm willing to explore that my feelings are created by my thoughts anxious feeling is created by an anxious thought okay but my thoughts are still caused by the circumstances of my life including that thing that makes me very anxious so how does all of this stuff about understanding the human experience even help me what a great question (laughs) and perhaps you and I were hanging out together or you came to one of my classes or you spend time with my colleagues around the world that do this thing Or maybe you read a book that explores this stuff or you otherwise come across any of the many philosophical or spiritual ideas since ages ago, (laughs) which also point to our experience being created from within, such as Taoism, Buddhism, Hinduism, all the good ones. Or you see something for yourself without any kind of influence or intervention which many do, I didn't, but okay, (laughs) which many do, as it's already there, innate within us. And you might be like, oh cool, I thought circumstances cause my feelings. I thought that anxiety or worry or overwhelm or stress or panic came from my life itself. I thought that these horrid feelings that I hate came from my boss or my bank balance or my disobedient child or loud crowds or public speaking or being sober or my wife's attitude or my health problem but yay you think now i learn that those horrid feelings are coming from my thoughts sweet freedom abounds no need to change my boss or my bank balance or my disobedient child or loud crowds or public speaking or being sober or my wife's attitude or my health problem or anything for it is my thoughts causing my feeling and not the outside world i shall dance around the room with joy here i go just getting up to begin the joy dance but hang on wait my thoughts though you think they are filled with terrible things (laughs) they foretell certain danger they bombard me with catastrophic possibilities they run wild in my mind they are infused with fear and insecurity my thoughts you think are always about my boss or my bank balance or my disobedient child or loud crowds or public speaking or being sober or my wife's attitude or my health problem or any other thing insert here so you think my feelings may be coming from thoughts but those things in the outside world are causing my thoughts 
so said in a simple way without me going over the top. When we're coming across this paradigm that explores the human experience being created from within, we may go, and this is just an example, we may go from, my job is causing my anxiety, to, oh yay, my job isn't causing my anxiety, my thoughts are causing my anxiety. And then we go to, hang on, but my thoughts are caused by my job. What the hell? (laughs) So are you with me? Have you brushed up against this notion yourself? So we still think then that there's an important link between the outside world and our feelings. And if anything, we've just plonked a middle manager in there called thoughts. So you're still anxious and it still looks like your job, but now you're more aware than ever of a new thing, which is anxious thoughts. So let's explore this a bit. Where do thoughts come from? Are they caused by things in the outside world? What do you think? Like, have you ever... Have you ever even thought about it? Which is so funny to talk like that. Like, have you thought about it? What do you think when we're talking about thoughts and where they come from? Oh, bloody language. I was almost going to say, think about it then. Don't, maybe. Never mind. (laughs) But if we do, like, lightly ponder this, well, what's going on? Like, is there a relationship between the outside world and our thoughts? What do you think? Now, I've heard people say in the past that thoughts and circumstances are on different tracks to each other, completely unrelated. But to me, everything is interconnected and in relationship with everything else in all of being. Whether those relationships and connections are visible or measurable or overtly knowable or not. A quote comes to mind which I love and any of my clients that might be listening will just know it because I say it all the time. But it's from John Muir, who was a key environmental influencer who first encouraged ecological preservation. He said, when we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. So, and again, this is just how it looks to me. I I invite you to look for yourself. But to me, absolutely everything is hitched to everything else in the universe. Thanks, John Muir including so-called outside events and our thoughts. Now, of course, this fits neatly within my worldview of interdependence and ecological relationship. And I know that a worldview is just a collection of my own thoughts, consolidated and compounded. But this also makes sense to me when worldview or no worldview, I simply stop and watch my own mind for all of 23 seconds to see that thoughts really do seem to be influenced by the outside world. Thoughts, again, just to me, right, and look for yourself, but thoughts are connected, obliquely or not, by the circumstances in our lives. So wives, bosses, kids, they stir thoughts. Bank balances, reflections in the mirror, odd aches that weren't there yesterday, they could stir thoughts. Looking out of the window at a crow could stir thoughts. 
lying in bed at night definitely stirs thoughts. <laughs> thoughts about your own thoughts can stir thoughts. Me talking about thoughts, stirring thoughts, can stir thoughts about thoughts. <laughs> thoughts come from everywhere and anywhere and nowhere in particular. So now you might be like, okay, Siobhan, I thought you were helping, <laughs> but you just said the outside world does create thoughts and my thoughts create my feelings, so you say. <laughs> so I'm still no better off. <laughs> Patience, friend. I did not say that the outside world creates thoughts, but we'll come back to that possibly unnecessarily pedantic point of semantics in a bit. So stay with me. Okay, so thoughts come from everywhere and anywhere and nowhere in particular. So now what? Well, the issue that many of us have is a mistaken understanding of what thought even is, which invariably alters our relationship with it. So most humans take their thinking very seriously, thinking that thoughts are the fact-based auditors of our lives when thoughts and thinking is a tool, a very cool tool, definitely, that lets us do awesome shit, but still a tool, and one that we innocently and persistently misuse. I talk about this a lot more in another episode called um, Thought, How to Use This Mind-Boggling Superpower or something like that. I'll link to it in the show notes. Okay, let's keep going. So, as I said... The outside world can trigger or influence or inspire or stir our thoughts. But the outside world doesn't cause thoughts. Now, <laughs> does that seem like I'm being a pedantic linguistic contortionist using semantics to misdirect you? Hmm? Well, I'm not on purpose. <laughs> The silly words actually mask an incredibly important point. External events, so-called objective reality, the outside world, stuff out there, stuff outside of our mind, let's say, can and does trigger a stream of thinking. But thinking, our thoughts, are infinitely variable utterly capricious, uncontrollable, ephemeral and unreliable. <laughs> so any thoughts triggered or influenced by the outside world are not representations of any objective reality, okay? Our thoughts are not a fixed or automatic response to things in the outside world. Thoughts, as mentioned before, come from anywhere and everywhere and nowhere in particular, and will be influenced by infinite, ever-changing, dynamic, real-time factors. Who's with me? <laughs> okay, so now, uh-oh, <laughs> now it looks like we're at the mercy of this thing called thought, this infinitely variable, utterly capricious, uncontrollable, ephemeral and unreliable phenomena, this thing is creating our feelings? This thing that can pop up from anywhere at any time and be anything? Huh? Shit. But frat not, my loves. 
I bring great news. <laughs> we don't just feel any old thought, okay? We won't necessarily have the thought, I am a tangerine, and then we feel like a tangerine. Just like many of you will have had a thought like, I can kick ass at this project and get promoted, but you won't feel that thought at all. <laughs> and instead you hide under your duvet rather than go near your computer, right? So we can and will have any old thought. We can and will have a stream of thinking about any and all circumstances, but it won't be automatically converted. Lol. <laughs> it won't be converted into a feeling. So we feel our thinking that looks real to us. We feel thoughts that seem like reality. We feel the thinking that we take seriously, that we believe, that we listen to, that we engage with. So how does any and every old thought how does it become real to us then? How does arbitrary, variable, capricious, uncontrollable, ephemeral and unreliable thought become real to us? And I know it sounds kind of obvious, but maybe so obvious we overlook it, but it's when we believe it's real. Like things we believe are true to us are real for us. Okay. So why do we believe some thoughts and not others then? <laughs> so I did kind of take some time to ponder this. And I was considering this and looking to my own experience and from working with people. And I very quickly noticed, as you will too if you look to your own experience, that we engage with, listen to or believe thoughts that seem to be really urgent, doom-filled, very important, or foretelling certain catastrophe, or somehow prophesizing a threat to our security, comfort, or worth. And when do you tend to experience these urgent, doom-filled, important, foretelling certain catastrophe, worth-shredding thoughts? <laughs> okay, let's all stop just for a sec and think about that. When do you tend to experience that? Now, for many and most of us, it's as soon as anything happens, <laughs> like there's a point of stimulus, a trigger, a catalyst, an impetus, anything, right? And these thoughts, these kind of thoughts are first out of the gate, right? When a thing happens in life, whether that thing in life, right, is in the supposed outside world or just in your own mind. So it could be like you have a a, a memory which is a thought which triggers like a stream of doom-filled catastrophizing thoughts yeah um i actually have an episode that goes into that as well which is catastrophizing is our brain's love language or something i'll put that in the show notes i'll just keep directing you to other episodes shall i <laughs> So when I'm working with people, I invite like I invite them to make up their own name for this extremely common phenomena, right? When we're exploring this. And a few of them are the first false thought fallacy, doomsday reflex, catastrophe thinking, <laughs> and the first thought doom rule. 
So this phenomena seems to be legacy conditioning that actually helped our ancestors in the past. Like, better to think everything was a threat and be wrong most of the time and survive, right? Than be killed and not pass on your genes to the next generation. So our first thought after some kind of stimulus or catalyst, however tiny or insignificant, they're often wildly catastrophic, panicked and frightening, right? Now, I guess that many people have this doomsday reflex and 100% of the people that I've worked with have it, right? Which is a cool hit rate. And I have it as well, yeah? Now, this phenomena is completely neutral, totally common, and it means, what does it mean? It means we had super cool ancestors that survived all sorts of mad shit, like attacks from woolly mammoths, okay? So that's very cool. So if you're listening, like, oh my god, I have that, then yay, (laughs) join the very cool club. But, (laughs) but it can lead to much suffering, this doomsday reflex or catastrophe thinking it leads to much suffering because most people get stuck there this catastrophe thinking reflex it's a good word isn't it this catastrophe thinking reflex is the first set of thoughts offered to us to use and many of us accept them and we just stay there okay like why do we do that we we accept them the catastrophe thinking or the doomsday reflex we accept that set of thoughts because they feel so bad and we humans have innocently but wildly mistakenly misunderstood bad feelings what they mean and what we should do with them we think mistakenly that a bad feeling needs tending to it needs managing or removing or controlling or changing But a bad feeling, as I say many times on the podcast, and it's a central pillar of this inside-out paradigm of human experience and feeling more at home in our natural peace, right? A bad feeling is letting you know that your thinking is not to be trusted. A bad feeling is letting you know that your thinking is low quality. It's letting you know that your thinking is not a good guide to life right now. Your feeling, the bad feeling that is, is telling you about your thinking. It's not telling you about your life, okay? So a feeling, a bad feeling, or any feeling, is thought brought to life, okay? As we kind of said before, it's almost like um, uh, like a thought is like a tea bag. I've I've heard this from someone, so I'm borrowing it from them. Sorry, I can't remember who. But um, like a thought is just a tea bag. It's just tea in a bag, right? But when we bring it to life, like believe in it, that's like pouring hot water on it, and then you have the flavour released. That's the feeling. <laughs> Do you like that one? Okay, so so when we have this doomsday reflex catastrophe thinking which we identified earlier, is common as muck. So it's certainly going to happen, right? It's going to happen. But it feels so bad. And then because we misguidedly think that a bad feeling is a bad thing and needs things like control and replacement and action and attention, 
We stay there to sort it out <laughs> rather than letting the flow of thought carry on. And thought wants to flow. Thought is always moving. I've got another metaphor that just came to mind. So it's like turning a tap on in a very old house. The water that first comes out might be brown and like spurting out <laughs> in like frenzied bursts. So what do you do with it? We just need to let the water from the tap flow for a bit just to get all that rubbish out, right? And it's like that with our mind, but we don't realise this and we weirdly think that we must use the brown water. And here's where the feeling shows us with perfect clarity we just got it the wrong way round. The bad feeling is letting us know that we don't need to use that water from the tap and we can just wait and something fresh will come through. But we misinterpret the bad feeling as a warning that we need to pay extra attention to the brown water to do something with it, tend to it, examine and analyse how having brown water is personal to you and means you are awful and failing at life. Many of us collect the brown water and then put it through a special filter or we boil it or treat it with those water tablet things, metaphorically speaking. We accept and keep the shitty brown water and somehow try and make it fit for purpose rather than just letting it flow, which is the nature of water from a tap and the nature of thought in a human mind. Are you with me? Perhaps you can see how many of us get stuck at the catastrophe thinking stage, the brown water stage, the first out of the gate stage. And the more we get stuck there, like with anything, the more it kind of becomes a habit without us wanting it to. We get into a habit of thinking bad things and feeling bad. We're believing our thinking. Our thinking is becoming real to us. And we've innocently hitched it to the thing that looks like it set it off in the first place, to use John Muir's word. Now, a funny thing to notice is our own personal flavour of teabag, <laughs> of catastrophizing, of catastrophizing. Your doom thinking might have a familiar ring each time. So mine, mine is often something like, everything will be terrible and I can't do it and I'll hate it and I'll have a hard time and everything will be hard and shit and no one loves me and I'm ugly. <laughs> and that's often my flavour of like catastrophe thinking, the doom thinking, the brown water thinking. Even if it doesn't make sense, which it often doesn't or can't even make sense, how can it? So my father had a cancer diagnosis this year and the flavour under the specific doom thoughts that came up, because they do, the flavour of my doom thinking around it was everything will be terrible and I will hate it and I'll have a hard time and everything will be hard and shit and no one loves me and I'm ugly, right? It was actually amusing at times to notice my brain going there. I saw how... I saw so clearly how the thinking was all about me, not about my dad, right? And this shows up all the time. So I had a similar chorus earlier this week when I had some lemons to use up. <laughs> 
I hate waste and I was giving myself a hard time for not coming up with a good way. Now notice the use of the word good there, right? So my brain made up that I had to use up these lemons and it had to be in a good way. So I was giving myself a hard time for not coming up with a good way, quotes, to use these lemons. So my brain said, everything will be terrible and I will hate it and I'll have a hard time and everything will be hard and shit and no one loves me and I'm ugly. (laughs) Now, see these examples. One is about the cancer diagnosis of my only parent. My mum died from cancer when I was younger, right? The other is about using up some lemons. (laughs) Different quote, circumstances, stimulus, impetus from the environment or whatever, but the same flavour of woe is me and I can't do it, catastrophizing thinking, okay? I would, I would just love for you to look towards your own experience on this and kind of see, see that your mind does that, like see that your mind fucking freaks out and has its own flavour, okay I would love to hear if your brain has any funny repetitive refrains so just email them to me if you like I always love to hear that kind of stuff and it's really interesting to notice when ours are different as well even though they may be underpinned by some kind of threat to security or worth but like the the teabag flavor is slightly different I don't am I using too many metaphors possibly so take a peek at your own patterns and habits of thought without judgment as best you can to see what funny shit is in there so some common ones among students and clients are see i can't do it and no one loves me see everything is too much and i can't cope see no one likes me and i can't do anything right see it's too hard and i'm too weak see everyone else is better than me okay so what have we got let's have a recap so To begin with, it looks like stuff happens out there in the outside world and it sure looks like it causes our feelings. It looks like people and jobs and time and money and the news and stepping in puddles and stubborn thick grey hairs in our fringe all cause our feelings. But we've identified this intermediary between circumstances and feelings, which is thought, our thinking. Then, it looked like we were at the mercy of this thing called thought. It can pop up from anywhere, after all, at any time, and be anything. It's completely arbitrary, impersonal, uncontrollable, infinitely variable. So this didn't sound like great news. But then, we saw how only some thoughts became real for us. And when our thinking becomes real, that creates our feelings. No water on the teabag. Then we looked a little bit into why some thoughts might become real for us over other thoughts. And we noticed how the thoughts that seem to go on to become real are the bad feeling, shitty thoughts that frequently occur in response or reaction to, well, anything, (laughs) including lemons and cancer. And then we saw, oh, look, they are so fucking common and are absolutely going to happen to all of us on the regular, okay? It's going to happen. So that's where we're up to. So how are you feeling about all this? To me, this is very good news, right? 
seeing our own patterns and habits of thought and understanding the nature and behavior of thought itself is a bloody game changer. It can go from this thing that we feel completely harangued by to something that we are familiar with and know what to expect and don't take too seriously. Taking a look for yourself and seeing that, like me and most people I know or work with in this realm, catastrophizing thoughts, those doom forecasting brown water splurts which happen in response to literally anything are going to happen okay but that's not a bad or scary thing it's only bad or scary when as we've been talking about the thinking becomes real to us but noticing that our thought patterns and the nature of thought itself helps us see through the illusion of thought it neutralizes the belief bit which is the hot water the looking real bit and they become kind of empty shell thoughts rather than alive seeming and infused with meaning and often fear okay so who's with me so what now To see more about this and feel the freedom that this understanding orients us towards, I invite you to very simply and curiously and lightly notice what your thought pattern is, you, and then just kind of see them at play. Now, when I was first exploring this, I hated it because my thought patterns and habits were filled with shitty thoughts. They were mean as hell about me and my body and my worth and everything. They were selfish, self-obsessed, always berating me and comparing and judging. So it felt very squirmy and icky and horrid to notice them. Because I believed them, right? They were real for me. But seeing more about their pattern and then the nature of thought itself, as I keep saying, it helps us rather naturally, like without trying, pay less attention to the content of the thinking, the specifics of our thinking pattern, right? So if this is you and if you're like, oh God, no, I don't want to look at my thoughts anymore, thanks, they're horrid, I encourage you to not let your shitty thoughts be a barrier. The shittier, the better, in fact. Because guess what? Like, uh, I still have very similar so-called shitty thoughts. And you will in the future too. But by doing this kind of thing, like seeing them for what they are, it takes the shitty away, right? Because it's no longer attached to us. If that makes sense. So now I can have a so-called shitty thought, but it would just not be as noticeable or if I notice it at all or or like it's not assigned as shitty it's oh I can't explain I hopefully you get it okay so why does this all matter so much according to me and how does seeing this and exploring and experimenting with this help with anxiety and stress and overwhelm and all the things how does seeing the nature of thought the nature of the phenomena of thought, the energy of thought itself, and also seeing the nature of your own thought patterns and habits and proclivities, how does that help 
for us to live with more peace and calm and well-being? Well, quite simply, (laughs) is the answer. Peace and calm and well-being are our natural state. They're not a place that we get to or achieve. They're natural. That's there already. That's our home base. But then it's covered up by our thinking that looks real. So when we see our thoughts and how they behave and we get to know their way of being and it means we just don't take them as seriously when they come up, which they will. When we're having a shitty feeling, we know it's a reflection of this habit at play and not something to take seriously. In other words, we can have thought be thought and do its thought thing being weird and random and catastrophizing and doom filled and telling us everything is rubbish and shit and we are especially rubbish and shit thought can just do all that and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because it doesn't become real to us so it's time for a little disclaimer here that thought will still fool us right and have us wrapped up in it regularly okay we will get caught up in thought all the time because that's what it means to be human but we won't be so distressed I guess by it okay there'll be a tether to peace our understanding of all this stuff grounds us we can get all caught up in it but we just know on a level then it's just not real even if that level is not available in that moment i've talked about this a fair bit in recent episodes so go and have a listen if you need now here's some great great news the feeling will always guide you okay so you don't need to figure this out yourself there's nothing to figure out as we talked about earlier with the metaphor of the tap and the water first brown then clear the rubbish feeling The feeling of anxiety, panic, stress, overwhelm, that rubbish feeling, that is letting you know that your water is brown. That crappy feeling will let you know 100% of the time you can absolutely rely on this fully. It will let you know 100% of the time when you're just in your own personal bespoke doom loop or spiral of catastrophe thinking. The shitty feeling lets you know the water is brown and you just need to let it run, okay? Clear water is coming. If you let it. (laughs) Okay. Shall we go see Anxious Alice? Hey Alice, what are you hearing in all of this? Alice looks up from a muffin, which looks very nice actually, and she tells me that she thinks something has clicked for her. Oh, okay Alice, tell me more. I had a big realisation how responsible thought is for everything, Alice says, even though I thought, literally, haha, that I knew that. And I did know that, Alice continues, but teachers or other people would say thought is so variable and arbitrary and always coming and going, which you've also said in this episode, Siobhan. But the bit that helped me was seeing the thought pattern or thought habit part that makes thought seem really sticky and like we are stuck with the same thoughts. 
Okay, Alice, thank you for that. It's quite rare that Alice has more answers than questions, so I guess I will appreciate this moment. Okay, let's wrap up. So we began this episode with somewhat of a question, a common question, one that I had and many others have had, around, okay, I kind of get or I'm willing to explore that my feelings are created by thoughts, anxious feeling is created by an anxious thought, okay, but my thoughts are still caused by the circumstances of my life, including that thing that makes me especially anxious. So how does all of this stuff about understanding the human experience really help me? So we poked at that a fair bit, looking not at the circumstances, but looking at thought, how it behaves, its nature, and how it may organise itself into patterns or habits that make it seem like we are stuck in the same anxiety cycles or stress loops caused by circumstances. We're just drinking cups of the brown water, okay? Now, if you struggle with certain so-called triggering circumstances or seemingly recurring reliable instances of anxiety and panic and overwhelm and stress or anything like that, and you find yourself still clipping the feeling and the event or the person or the thing together, which many of us do, okay, and I've done a million times, But I would love for you to look at that with fresh eyes and see, see more around the nature of this intermediary at play, thought, and how thought can form itself into patterns and habits that make it seem, make it seem like we're stuck having the same experiences. Okay, let me say it plainly. Outside events things, people, places, circumstances in the world will, will influence or inspire thoughts, but they do not create specific thoughts. We get stuck thinking that when we fall into a habit as we've described today. No worries, we're human beings with human brains, nothing to solve or fix. But when we can see what's happening, how our experience is created, it lifts the veil of suffering somewhat. It just doesn't look real anymore when we see thought for what it is. The more we can let the feeling guide us and let thought pass on through as it wants to do, let the tap run and give some fresh thinking and insight a chance to be seen, the less we will feel stuck. This is a place that's worth exploring in your own life and I invite you to do so. Please get in touch with me if you are finding that you're struggling. I'm not able to take on additional one-on-one clients at the moment, but I do answer every email eventually. (laughs) And I do have some free spots and group classes to support you, okay? You may want to pop your name on my friends list, which gives details about upcoming things like that as well plus general riffing on the human experience. So I'll put links and all the things in the show notes. Okay, we're at the end. Thank you for being with me today and I look forward to hanging out with you again soon. Now, if my memory serves me correctly, we have a really amazing guest lined up for the next episode. Okay, thank you again for being here. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. This is the part where I ask you to share, review and subscribe to the show. So if you go and do that, I would absolutely love it. 
If you have thoughts or questions or insights about this episode or anything really, come and share them with me on Instagram at Siobhan Freel or visit me at SiobhanFreel.com. See you next time.